It's time for the 8 Grady Sports Show on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team with Jerome Espinoza and Dontrell Moore. Jerome Espinoza is a Class A PGA professional and director of instruction for 8 Grady's Golf. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! Dontrell Moore is a former Lobos and NFL running back and part of the Lobos football ring of honor. Dontrell Moore and he takes it in for the touchdown. Every Saturday morning, the guys will talk golf football and what it takes to be an elite competitor now here's jerome espinoza and dontrell moore good morning and welcome to the eight grady sports show i am jerome espinoza not alongside dontrell moore today he's working his little butt off so he couldn't be here today um but i got robbie back the probably one of the best radio voices around hey guys how's it going (laughs) (laughs) thanks robbie thanks for joining us thank you for having Um, me i'm a pga golf professional and Operate Eight Grays Golf, so we talk. You know, obviously some golf, football, uh, everything else, sports. You know, every Saturday, ten to eleven, here on ESPN Radio. So welcome, and you know, we've got some good feedback from a lot of people. Um, yeah, I, someone asked me about the Aggies. I don't know, man. I have a tough time, but we'll mention the Aggies today. So we'll reach out for that. We listen for that. So um, you know, just a couple things. Um, as we go, but we held our first annual Freezing Bells Open. Robbie was a part of that over at, uh, you know, the field house for some golf. And uh, we had an indoor tournament, two-person scramble, and it was a great success, and we had a blast. Robbie, what did you think about that? You were there for that. My favorite part was uh, beforehand while we were setting everything up, everybody thinking they're going to go, you know, sub-60, sub going to throw up a 59, <laughs> and... That was very much not the case, and I, I, I very much enjoyed that. Yeah, and it's yeah, again, we had a two-person scramble. We're going to have more because it was a massive success, and it was a great time, but you know, two people hit a shot, and they just keep chasing it, the best shot all the way through, and you know, I f- actually I forgot to let us know who our winners were, but our winners of the open flight was Steve Manning and Tim Wythe with a massive 63 on the board, which, uh, you know, it's it's tough to do on those track man's. People, um, I say this all the time, but people have a funky reality of their golf game, and I, I don't want to insult anybody, but everybody thinks they hit it closer than they really do, but the track man will tell you otherwise, and then people get upset about it, but hitting it inside of 10 feet, it's not easy. Not easy at all. Like, you know, it's it, it's hard in general. You know, I mean, you teach over there too. Like, speak to that a little bit about hitting the ball close. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of what got everybody was we we told them like hey if you you hit it within 10 feet you know it, it's an auto birdie and everybody's licking their chops thinking they're going to run away with it and then they kind of realized how hard it was to hit it within 10 feet even on chips you know tiny yes. little shots just around the green it's not easy to get within 10 feet and i think it was a big eye opener for all the players that came in to, to kind of see the actual numbers of what they actually do well, as a basketball guy, like ten feet, you think like, dude, ten feet is like it's a chip a in. long way. <laughs> but it's on a golf course, ten feet is not not easy to hit it inside of that circle. Gotcha. Yeah, it's. I mean, the the circle's tiny, and all it takes is one blade of grass. Yeah, and your ball doesn't go in. Yeah, or, you know or what happened a lot, and again, it's settings that we can change. But the ball would hit the ground and then suck back, so they. You know, hit it probably eight feet, it zip back on them, and then it gets to 10 feet, two inches. I know me and my partner had that quite a bit. 
So, yeah, there you go. Uh, again, we'll have more of those tournaments. It was a blast. We had a great time. Um, and, and look out for more of those as we promote those. Um, and then, you know, I wanted to promote a program, Robbie, and I'll let you speak to this. Um, you know, we kind of had the idea, and then it was confirmed by, you know, people up north, I always say. And when we say up north, we're talking, you know, Philadelphia, Michigan, all those areas that are not like us, where it can be 50 and sunny in December mid-December, January. Um, but we're going to start a winner PGA Junior League program. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so um, here in the area, we, we kind of look around and, and see what goes down in golf in the winter. And I'm from Texas, and that's you know year-round state, South Texas. We didn't have to worry about winter, maybe one or two weeks out of the year where we catch a cold front and can't play golf. But here it's very, very seasonal. And it's kind of crazy to me that nobody plays golf through the winter. Everybody just kind of says, uh, you know, it's cold outside. I'm just going to take the break. And we, we can kind of bridge that gap there with being indoors and having the track man. So this winter PGA Junior League allows these kids to, to not take this offseason off, lose all their skill set, and, and kind of just get rusty. And instead, they can improve over the offseason. Yeah, and, you know, the winter, the PGA Junior League, and I think we've talked to, to with this at length about the PGA Junior League, um, actually, Twin Warriors was the host to the national championship for the seventeen and seventeen U. So the older kids, the high school kids, but and they've that's added. But now they've they, it's mainly the program of thirteen and under, um, where kids play on teams and they play two person scrambles against other teams. It's a great event, and um, you know, Robbie and I have done this together junior leagues for a while, um, but you know. Um, I never thought of having an indoor one. So I was just like, an indoor one? What? Yeah, it, it was kind of a new idea. And then we, we, we hopped on a, semi, a webinar with, with some guys up north. And they're like, yeah, that's a great idea. Use it. Use your, your indoor facility to your advantage. And, I mean, that's what we have. So might as well. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, as we get closer, but keep an eye out for that. And then, you know, some information that I think would be important is, um, again, maybe we'll we'll wait to promo this a little bit more, but um, PJ Junior League, and for those of you that have played, used to charge, uh, you know, a ninety-five or ninety-nine dollar fee. They're actually you can now join it for the entire year for ninety-nine bucks, and then you just pay your fee that whatever courses charge you. But obviously, we're we're going to run an indoor one, and uh, you know we'll probably have to limit it to be honest to like thirty-two kids. I don't know if we can do a whole lot more than that. That would give us four teams of eight, and then, you know, we'll just, we'll have to cap it. We just don't have enough room. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I mean, do you think it'll be like pretty popular? I think so. Uh, again, it's you know, no other course can do this. Being outdoors, the the weather's so spotty here in the winter time. You can't really have a set schedule to to get these kids out there and and run a program like this. Well, that's something we don't have to worry about over at Eight Grady's, and I think that's that's fantastic. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's basically the tournament we ran, so this Freezing Bells Open that we ran was a two-person scramble against other people. That's what these kids are playing. Um, you know, so, I mean, there's some ideas. We will be starting that. We'll let you guys know kind of when it opens up. We'd like to start it in the new year in 2024. Um, you know, program will run for six weeks. We'll have, you know, a practice is what it'll consist of is an hour-long practice, and then games on Saturday is what we call them. Um, basically a match. So it'll be, you know, two on two. Um, and we can set that up and, 
it's it, it'll be great. So uh, we're looking forward to that. I, you know, here's something. I don't know if you saw any of this, Robbie. Did you see? And I call it Charlie Woods antics. Did you see some of his antics at the PNC? Kind of like how he's son? just mimicking Tiger. Well, so to say, or? here's what I'll. I don't know if you saw this one. This one was the one that bugged me. Again, I mean, you know, Charlie Woods is Tiger's son, and he's you know he's a really good young golfer. He's he's to be honest, he's not one of the best in the country because he's not winning some of these junior tournaments, which that'll come, I'm sure. But he uh, he hit a drive, and I mean, he smoked it right. He hits it perfect, and then he you know does the quick. The quick take back, you know, the kind of quick twirl, and he takes a couple steps, and then he waves at the ball like, bye-bye. And I'm just like, I mean, really? Yeah, I, I kind of I remember seeing that and thinking to me as soon as I saw it was, was like, hey, you're kind of letting it your last name get to your head a little bit. Like, you still haven't – you are a Tiger Woods kid. But like you just said, he's not top in the world. He's not, he's not winning all these junior events that he could. I mean, again, he's still a junior. He's still up and coming. Nothing again. He still probably beat the brakes off of me, but to have that kind of cockiness and ego going at it, you, you got to be able to back it up with with your results and, and what you're doing. Well, and again, like I, I I liked what you said when you said you know you're letting your last name a little bit. Like, okay, you're Tiger's son. I get it. He's had some of that moxie and used to do some of those things, but Tiger still has so many stats on tour that it will never be broken. And, and he, yeah, he didn't really, he didn't really kind of do those, start doing those things until after he made a name for himself. After well, yeah. everybody knew he was Tiger Woods and like, oh, he's behind me on the leaderboard. Uh Oh yeah. That kind of deal. That's when you started to see that kind of swagger from Tiger Woods, but from Charlie, you kind of seen it really, really early, which again, like I've always said this, like, I hope people leave him alone. They haven't, they probably won't. Leave him alone as far as the TV coverage, right? Like, I mean, I think they finished um, down the list. I mean, they weren't, they were probably in the top third of the the father son or the, you know, whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it, um, that PNC championship that took place. But, um, and the cameras are always on him. But I'm just like, I, I don't know. I just didn't like it. Maybe that's just me being weird. From his standpoint, like, you're, how old is he now? 14, 15? I think he's not. Yeah, I think he is because he's in high school. Yeah. Uh, so somewhere right around that age. We all remember being that age. Imagine having cameras and all that and all that on you. Because, you know, Tiger didn't have that when he was that young. He didn't have that until he started, you know, kind of going crazy on tour and on the AM side. Well, and to but, be honest, when he grew up, they, there wasn't phones everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Like everybody knows you know, the junior golfers that are up and coming nowadays. They know, you know, obviously Charlie Woods. And I, I think that plays a big part into it. And yeah. how, his, how his swagger goes about. Yeah, it's that whole social media thing, right? Like, build himself up and all that sort of stuff. But I don't know. We'll see. I just, like I said, I'm more of a let me see your golf do all the talking and Absolutely. that sort of stuff. And I get it. You smashed it. Like, I understand that. I've done that, too. You hit this great shot. But, you know, I don't walk and wave by to it and that sort of stuff. Like, in my opinion, golf is a very humbling place. And... The last thing you want to do is be doing that because when you fall, like you remember probably when Tiger came back from that big break and he was like, had the chipping yips and was oh, chunking yeah. them. That was, people that was were blowing him up. Yeah. And they're not afraid to do that. Yeah. They want to see you fall. They want to, so, they like you know, seeing that. 
if you rope hook it, they're going to be like, ha, that's what you get. <laughs> One of us. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I just, I wasn't a super fan of it. Um, and more Tiger stuff that I thought, I knew this was going to start to happen. Um, but I saw Tiger Woods is not exempt for the 2024 U.S. Open, dude. That's crazy. That's one of his first. I mean, Masters, it'll never go away. I don't know how I call it the British, but I know they call it the Open. I don't know if that's a lifetime exemption. I can't remember the uh, exact exemption. PGA Championship is another one that is another exemption. But for those of you that don't know, some of these exemptions run out. So Masters, when you win it, your lifetime. You can go back till you're 105. Um, you know, but the US Open, I believe, is a 10 year exemption. So you're exempt for 10 years. Well, Tiger's exemption is running out, and he will not be exempt in the 24 U.S. Open. And honestly, I think it's fair. I mean, everybody, it affects every player the same. You know, Tiger shouldn't get special treatment just because he is Tiger and, you know, he's done what he's done with the game. But at the end of the day, like all these other up-and-coming players, they, they got to have their spot too. You know, if Tiger just, you know, kind of buys his way into it or they, they exempt him into it magically, he, it, he takes a spot from another golfer. Well, here's the whole argument, dude, is like they always say, like, you got to earn your way on the PGA Tour, right? That's been the argument between the Tour and Live. is everybody's like, you got to earn your way. Well, is that really? Are we really going to make Tiger earn his way now? Yeah. I mean, he said something like the U.S. Open, to be honest. Now, obviously, there's tiers to the U.S. Open qualifying. Mm -hmm. Me and Robbie try and go qualify. We're dropped in at the very local level. We got to go to UNM or someplace in Las Cruces, get to that one, and then you go to the next stage, and the next stage is where they drop in all the tour guys and corn fairy guys and guys that are ranked whatever in the world. You know, some of the better amateurs don't have to do the locals. So Tiger, I think, would be in that tier where he would drop into, um, I think it's a sectional is how they do it. They go locals and then sectionals. So he'd have to play 36 holes in one day and qualify that way. Because the USGA, dude. They don't mess around. I mean, they don't <laughs> They don't give exemptions. He said something. I read something that he said like, yeah, maybe there's a se- an exemption where I can be in. But in my experience, the USGA doesn't do that. No. And I hope they don't bend the knee for Tiger. I, I get it. I, like, I, I'm a huge Tiger fan and everything like that. But that's... You know, don't be a hypocrite on your own word. Make him earn his way into it. Well, and I mean, will he really is the is the question. Like, would he do it or does he? Based on the statement that you just said of, you know, if he's kind of like, I hope there's an exemption, that, that, that tells me he's not confident in his ability to go out there and qualify for it on his own. Well, and it's, dude, it's not easy. I mean, no, it's not, not easy. Like, again, it's 36 holes walking in one day. Um, you know, depends on the site, how many spots they're open. Normally there's a site in Ohio that buddies up to a PGA tour event. Mm -hmm. So that one normally has the most spots, you know, there's, let's just say 130 dudes for 15 spots. That's actually a pretty good percentage. I know it doesn't sound like it, but it is, um, you know, that would be one of the better ones. I know some of the other spots sometimes have 80 guys for two spots. Yep. So that's kind of like what we, we kind of get down here in the, in the New Mexico area and the smaller area population is, you know, there's a lot of golfers that'll come and travel over here to, to play this, the local qualifier, but you know, you got 80 to hundred guys playing for two spots. Yeah. And I mean, I used to run those and I can tell you this, it was for every, what they would tell me for every 30 guys, you get a spot. 
um, you know, for every 30 entrants, you get a spot. So, I mean, just, I mean, you know, you have 90 entrants, you're getting three spots. Like that's the odds are really, really tough, but I was just interested in like, will he actually do it? Like, I'm, I mean, I'm curious to see, will, you know, I guess a good question is, will he even try? Yeah. No, hundred percent. We'll even try to go about it. And I get it. Like I consider him the greatest. Like he's one of my favorites, but I'm like, dude, go back. You got to go qualify. Gotta go I grind mean, like the rest of them. Yeah. Heck no. <laughs> um, another thing, uh, you know, before we take a quick break, but did you hear Kevin Kisner was hired as an oh, analyst? Yeah. I love it. What do you think of that? I love it. I love hearing Kis- Kisner talk whenever he's mic'd up. It's, it's just a joy. So I'm really curious to see how he's going to do with NBC there. Well, and so for those of you that don't know, I know, I'm, you know, we're me and Robbie are golf professionals, so we're kind of know about this. But Kevin Kisner was interviewed a couple years ago about he was in a he was um, in the media room or whatever, and someone asked him like, "Why do you even show up if you don't think you can win the tournament?" And his quote, which is the best, he was like, "He said, well, they pay a hell of a lot for twentieth. That's why I'm here." <laughs> yeah. And so you know, it's a dude that obviously keeps it in perspective, like. Yeah, he probably didn't think he could win the tournament, but he still makes money. There to make a check. Yeah. And he's right. They do pay a lot for, you know, finishing not first. Um, I know some people hate to hear that. Like, that's a terrible attitude. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a true, it's a true perspective. Like, you get that attitude that you see on TV of, I want to win, I want to win from like the probably top 100 players. Those other guys that are on tour, it's a grind every single time they step on that tee box to make sure they have a job for the next year. And if making 20th place is that goal and to keep your card and to go on to the next year so you can keep making money and provide for your family, you know, absolutely. Like, that's, I, I see it as a good mindset to have. I love the statement. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious because it's just honest. Like, he was honest. Yeah. Now, I don't know if he's going to be able to do that 100%. On NBC or whatever, you know, so we'll see. But, um, and I'm actually shocked that he took that. I don't know. Maybe it's a guaranteed check. So that's why he took it because Kevin Kisner's still pretty good. Maybe he missed his tour card or whatever, but we'll find out. Yeah. Well, we got to take a quick break. And, you know, when we come back on the other side, um, was it bad treatment of NMSU or is that just how things are? We'll talk about it when we come back. ESPN Radio, 1017, the team. Let's get back to the 8th Grady Sports Show with Jerome Espinoza and Dontrell Moore on ESPN Radio, 1017, the team. Good morning and welcome back to the 8th Grady Sports Show alongside my guy, Robbie Purnell. If you're in need of regripping club repair or golf instruction, hit us up. Winner's around the corner or winner's here, I guess, kind of, here and there. That's what I sh- should say. And we're a great option. And we'd like to welcome Mr. Estevan to hey, the show. What's up, guys? Hey. Dude, I hate to tell you this. I almost called you Estevan Sandoval again. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to remember that. I'm not going to use your correct pronoun. Oh, <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's freaking hilarious right there, dude. And uh, Stevan, what's up, dude? Welcome. Tell us what's going on in your life Thank you. here. You know me, me. I'm just I actually, you know what? It's great. I just finished training session. You guys called them the perfect time. Um, but things are going well. Things are going really well. We got a uh, several college athletes here for the winter break. Um, you know, of course, the clients that I work with currently and right as range. Looking forward to the holidays. Yeah, it's cool to see. Like you know, obviously, I saw some of them, and it's you and I talk about this quite a bit. But watching, 
you know, athletes move to me, I'm like, dude, holy cow. Some of these dudes can move and it's unbelievable to see. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, we got a couple of specimens walking around, a couple of UNM players, some guys who are playing at Fort Lewis College, um, guys who are, you know, looking, looking to be pro hopefuls. Um, you know, so we've got kind of the whole gamut. We have some softball players. You know, it's kind of come one, come all, but it's really neat because they all kind of have the same work ethic drive and they all want the same thing. Just, I hate to sound cliche, but they want greatness, you know? Yep. Well, and so, you know, speaking of that, you know, we'll kind of go off, pivot a little bit, but. The first question that I'll ask you, and we can talk about it all together with Robbie here, my guy, the radio voice, Robbie. Dude, did NMSU get stiffed? Like, come on. Are we kidding me? Yeah, yeah. What's your take? I don't know as much about that situation. I didn't follow it too closely, but from what I understand, yeah, they were not some degree of facility access and probably some other amenities. And you know what? It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Because I do know that there is an obvious rivalry, and there's some inner workings in there that they don't want to give the other team a competitive advantage, the other in-state team. Um, you know, but I have to, you know what I have to bring it back to, is, and maybe people in Albuquerque will appreciate this, especially as older folks. You know, there was always a valley real grand rivalry right back in the day. In <laughs> yeah. high schools, right? From just two sides of the valley, and we used to, it was so contentious. It was crazy. The gym would be packed. Nobody liked each other. But the minute we went to the playoffs, we were rooting for whoever didn't or whoever got in, right? So if Valley was denied one year, then all the real grand guys, or uh, we would cheer for all the real grand guys. Like we'd want them to win for some reason. And conversely, if they didn't get in, they would cheer for us at Valley to get in or to play well. Um, so I think some of that has to exist in a grander scope, in a grander scope of saying that we're representing the state at this point, right? And and for whatever reason, that that means something special, you know? Yeah. Well, and you know, it, to me, and again, I, I don't know. I, I'm like you. I'm not super close to the situation. I just, you know, read what's happening and that sort of stuff. Now, I, I would say, and I don't. Again, I don't know all the details, but from what I was reading, is that one of the New Mexico State guys was, you know, went and peed on the Lobo at one point or whatever. So that caused some contention, and then. I mean, to ask if they'll let you in that facility after you were peeing on it, granted, okay, you were forgiven and it was however many months ago. I don't know if I'm going to be too forgiving, but maybe that speaks about me. What's that saying? Fool me one time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that, yeah, that's, level, that's another level of ex- escalation. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I, in that situation, I guess I can't blame them either, you know? Um, and maybe it is something where there's got to be super supervision at all times. You know, but then again, that that falls on the on UNM to have somebody there to make sure that that happens and make sure that facility's taken care of, which they probably should have had anyway. You know, it's like letting somebody in your house and just giving them the keys and saying like, "Make sure you take care of it." <laughs> yeah, hey, I don't can know, you take man. Care of my house, please. People do some weird things in their house sitting. You know. <laughs> well, and so the other thing that I, you know, made more sense to me, which makes sense, is you spoke about it earlier. The competitive advantage is, you know, if you let New Mexico State just because they're you're in state whatever um now i don't even know who they played fresno or something now maybe they're you know they're like well we want to get in there too and now it becomes a big old issue so it's probably safer to just say like no to everybody in that situation so you don't you don't look you know because at the end of the day the new mexico bowl is trying to attract people here so you don't want to chase people off yeah 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 no you're right you're right and it's the the whole idea is that's supposed to be a huge revenue builder for you know, everybody. So maybe 
there is something to be said for making sure whoever's playing has the best access to the best things, you know, as long as they're here. And, you know, and ideally that drives revenue toward the state and toward, this, uh, toward the university. So, I don't know. Maybe you should maybe you should roll out the red carpet for any teams playing, regardless of they're, they're your mortal enemy. Yeah, I mean, I'm with that too, right? But, again, like, I know there's probably some – well, it's – it's been a contentious, and you know, as you you spoke about rivalries or whatever, um, and it always seems like in-state rivalries. And you know, you can probably speak to some of the football. I'm like a basketball guy, so you know, the North Carolina Duke, you always hear about that, you know. But the in-state rivalries sometimes are a little a little more aggressive than you know uh, that sort of stuff. You know, Arizona, Arizona State's always a huge one, so maybe rivalries kind of lead to this kind of stuff. And really, are they yeah. good? Is the other thing I would pose to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, in-state rivalries—that's that, your question. Are in-state rivalries good? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's no question. You know, I mean, I, I know that you and them signed down and out this year, but I would venture to guess that was the game that attracted the most attention. You know, and, and it's competitive. I, I think that's what's probably most important. Is like, you know, those games most of the time, especially if they're recruiting in-state talent. It turns into some rivalry that has gone on from maybe even some of those high school athletes who are now playing against Clarkstown rivals, you know, and they're at different universities now. Like, there's something to be said for the fact that, you know, they exist in basically the same ecosystem, and it's, just, it's a proving ground, you know, it's bragging rights. It's all those things. It's no different than, uh, obviously, maybe a little bit different than, you know, Texas and OU or something like that. You know, I think that stuff's <laughs> important, and I think that's good for the sports, though. Now, where it does get a little bit tricky is, all the off the field stuff, you know, like that, that is a little contentious and there's probably not a place for that. Well, and I would even say, you know, to some point because New Mexico state does have, and you probably know this way more than me. And then we're talking football more than anything. Right. But mm-hmm. New Mexico state has a couple kids that were, I don't want to say homegrown Albuquerque, but you know, I think that Pavio was here in Rio Rancho or somewhere. And they have quite a few kids that are like homegrown and probably feel like they were, uh, you know, kind of never recruited by UNM, so there's extra there, right? It's like, those guys didn't recruit me, so, you know, I want to stick it to them, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, but no, that definitely plays a role. I mean, and I've said it year in and year out, we always have talent in state, you know, you know, it's a numbers game at some point where you only have so many kids that are, are truly Division one athletes, and we do have a lot of D2 athletes circulating in the high school ranks. And, yeah, I mean, I think what's really neat about Diego's story is he kind of bet on himself. He went down to Miami, won a national championship, and then he got that D1 offer he was seeking. Now, obviously it didn't come from UNM, and they probably have the reasons for that. But, you know, he definitely carries a chip on his shoulder, and that's not such a bad thing either. I mean, you even listen to Tom Brady speak, and, like, his his MO was, like, he always wanted to find a reason to hate the other team. (laughs) That was, like, what motivated him. Yeah, he would find anything. It was a news clipping. It was something the other coach said. It was something the other players did that maybe was even not intentioned like, in any kind of way. And that was what motivated him. You know, there, there are even instances where he had teammates that were traded. And when they got to another team, he hated them too. <laughs> that kind of thing. So I don't think it's necessarily bad. Yeah. And I mean, you know, like he's, I always, I'm a obviously basketball guy. So the Duke, North Carolina one was always massive. And I think they're, they're actually, that one is, they're very, very, I thought they were like within eight miles of each other or something crazy like that. So, you know, they're probably at the same barber shops and all the same kind of things, and that adds to it. And, you know, rivalries are good. Like, I think 
rivalries are good, but obviously they go on and off. I would say, you know, Lobo Aggies, to be honest, the football has kind of flipped the other direction right now to Aggies mm-hmm. and, you know, and then the basketball, you know, that one's always been super competitive. Um, I mean, I remember that going back to when I was a little kid and, you know, for the most part they would split, but now it's just with the portal and all that sort of stuff. I mean, your program could flip really quick in the matter of a year. Yeah. You know, that being said, what do you guys make of the transfer portal and how, and how that all is going? It sounds like something they've kind of opened a Pandora's box and it feels like they're trying to work it back and gain more control toward it. Um, what is your guys take on the transfer portal? Dude, I'm telling you, Dontrell and I have talked about this quite a bit as far as like the portal and, you know, I've always thought that it's, I don't know, it, it's, I thought it was good, but now it's gone the other way, I think, way crazy. And, um, I mean, I don't know. And, you know, we'll talk about this later on as far as, you know, kind of how kids think and how people think and instant gratification. But, you know, you were mentioning Tom Brady, I think. Look at him. He stuck it out. What was he, like the third string or something at Michigan? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And just stayed there and grind and just kept grinding and that sort of stuff. And then he ends up, you know, is arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So I don't know, man. I don't, I don't love it, but it seems like the guys who have embraced it and handled it the best, mm-hmm. I mean, look at Dion. Dion's all about the portal. Like mm-hmm. he's figured it out massively. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with a kid nowadays because, you know, the Tom Brady story is kind of a one-in-a-million thing. You know, there are more kids, often than not, who were probably well-equipped to play at the next level in some capacity, but it's more of a right fit for them. Now, when they get into the area of, like, all right, I've had to transfer two and three times, uh, we might be a little more in trouble there. there might be <laughs> that, <Yeah. laughs> that might be more your problem as opposed to the team you're playing for's problem, you know, um, so I, I can't fault the kids for saying, okay, for whatever reason, I'm just not good in the system. Maybe a new coaching staff came in, and, and you know, maybe I'm not the type of player they were looking for, looking to recruit. You know, so I see the writer on the wall. I'll try my luck somewhere else. There's nothing wrong with that. But, again, if they get into a position where that's happening and it's always the coach's fault, it may not be the coach's fault. <laughs> well, the one part, too, about the portal that I'm, I don't know, I'm not super excited about is these guys – which I get it. You have a great year, then you try to treat it as like free agency and kind of level up and get more more money. Or you know, hey, they promised me this. Like to me, I think that could be a massive problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, the NLI stuff's crazy. That's out of control. You know, and what's hard about a place like UNM and State, and I'm sure you and Joshua probably talked about this too, is how do you compete with you know Power Five conference teams? Yep. You know who have massive booster clubs and massive uh, massive donors and stuff like that. Now, um, I did hear this the other direction. Um, one of our coworkers, Jimmy, he brought up the idea that more often than not, we're not recruiting against Power Five kids because they're usually not going to come to our school anyway. Yeah. You know, if you can flip a handful of those kids, that's great. You know, and that's what you use to build a program in some ways. So maybe the NLI deals aren't as important for us. You know, which I think is really cool. I think, uh, or I think that's something, uh, you know, that's in our, in our, or to our advantage. You know, and for me, if it were me playing right now, I don't know that I would need a huge NLI deal to have, if it meant that I could say I'm playing for my hometown team, team of UNM, if that makes sense. If I was getting recruited. Yeah. No. And I, you know, uh, again, Don Trell and I talked about this because we were talking about kind of Lobo football rebuilding and doing that sort of thing. And I always thought that, to be honest, 
you know, you're, you're from here. You grew up here. Like if mm-hmm. let's just say there's like a Sadie's, right? Like a homegrown business or whatever, a Garcia's that loves this kid and the owner loves this kid. And they went to, you know, Albuquerque high and they grew up seeing this kid. Like mm-hmm. they're very well possible to say, Hey, we'll give this dude a, an NIL deal. And you know, if he stays mm-hmm. with the Lobos, cause it's easier for them to give that homegrown kid, um, mm-hmm. you know, money. And like you said, maybe it's not a whole bunch, but we've lost so many kids. You know, I think I always think about that Trey Watson. There's another, there's been a couple kids at Cleveland, you know, mm-hmm. there's Allen branch. If I go back, you know, we lost quite a few kids to big schools. It is just like, dang, if we could keep those kids in, but I get it too. They're chasing, you know, it'd be cool to go to a Michigan if I'm a football guy. I think the attitude about kind of New Mexico and like where we're at and the the location is, I mean, no one really wants to be here, truthfully. Like no one looks at the map and and sees it and says that that I want to go to New Mexico or anything like that. Like everybody looks at like New York, Chicago, all these bigger cities and it's more attractive than than coming out to New Mexico in the desert out here. Yeah, there's something about that. I would argue the other way, to be perfectly honest, because I'll tell you what, I went to a small school, Fort Lewis College. Now, Durango, obviously, is a resort and that sort of thing. But what attracted me is definitely kind of that small-town vibe in some ways. Um, you know, because there's not much trouble to get into. And, you know, there there's a different atmosphere that the type of kid that we recruit is seeking. You know, the same way that Nebraska can recruit, the same way that Montana can recruit. There's something about the allure of this kind of open space, this kind of environment, this kind of landscape that, you know, some people do thrive in. You know, like it was really hard to recruit Cali kids to come to Durango. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we, we recruit the hell out of some Colorado kids, you know, like that sort of yeah. thing. No, for sure. And, uh, you know, um, we got to take a quick break, Stephen. We'll have you back. But, um, you know, going into the break, is a preseason championship really a banner to hang? We'll Ooh. talk about that on the other side. So we'll be back in a few minutes. I'm Jerome Espinosa. This is ESPN Radio, 1017 The Team. Let's get back to the 8th Grady Sports Show with Jerome Espinosa and Dontrell Moore on ESPN Radio, 1017 The Team. Welcome back to the 8th Grady Sports Show. We're here every Saturday, 10 to 11 a.m., talking golf, sports, everything in general. And our guest is still with us, I hope, Stevon Lucero from 8th Grady's Performance. Um, I, sh- I should introduce you as like, the best of the city, dude. You just won that award. <laughs> You're like freaking that. famous. <laughs> I don't know if I'm famous, right? They put me in a magazine. That was kind of nice. <laughs> um, that was nice to them. I got more of a radio face anyway, so maybe maybe I should be best of the city, but only on the radio. Like, That's funny. <laughs> oh, my yeah. gosh. Whatever. So, actually, the other day, we had the best of the city pancakes for nine years in a row, yeah. he told us. So, Central Grill. So, uh, nice. That's oh, fantastic, yeah. by the way. Um, but speaking of, as we went to break, um, so this in-season banner hanging, and you and I spoke about this a little bit, Stev, but banner hanging in general, it, it just cracks me up. And I guess I'm, so I grew up a Lakers fan. The reason my dad was a Celtics fan. So I was like, I'm picking the Lakers because I don't want to cheer for my dad's team. (coughs) And the Lakers are known for like, and you know, there's a buddy of mine out there, Sebastian, if you're listening that the Lakers only hang championship banners. Like, and I'm talking world championship banners. I'm talking the banner. But then they put up a preseason banner or in-season banner. What's up with that? 
What do you think of that? I don't know. I, it's the only thing I really have to compare it to is you know in town we have the Metro Championship, right? Or we have the Opportunity for Wrestling, or you know we, you name it. There's a number of big tournaments um, for maybe basketball or wrestling, or you name it. That being said, I don't know if they always deserve a banner. Usually, a T-shirt suffices. You know, a, a medal. <laughs> a medal is pretty good. Maybe a trophy. I could see a trophy. Trophies are pretty nifty. You know, and you put it in a case somewhere, but a banner. Come on, guys. We got to reserve that wall space for something and keep it sacred. Well, dude, especially like the Lakers. Like, I mean, I when I think of that, you know, the Lakers, and I don't even know how many championships. I'm not that smart or pay attention that much. The Celtics, who have had, you know, been forever, you know, and I don't know who football, maybe Green Bay or something or something like, like, I mean, really? Like, you're hanging up an in-season tournament banner? To me, dude, that's like... I don't know. You're the NBA. That's I. I don't know. I have a hard time with it. I think it's lame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's. Well, I just don't know what it represents in their eyes. Like, what are they? What are they really achieving? You know, what are they really after? Is it? It can't be to sell more tickets. Like, I mean, I don't know how many people are like, oh, sick. They won the in-season tournament. We better go and make sure that we have season ticket tickets now. You know, or we go see a Lakers game. Like, I think it adds any more clout either. You know, it's not like. It demands more reputability or respect. Well, and I mean, like I said, I just I have a hard time. You know, if I go down the list, like Notre Dame, like you know, are they hanging <clears throat> like a? You know, are they independent? We're the independent champions. Like, really? You're going to hang that banner, or you know, if I go to high school, you know, I'm at a high school, and it's like we finished third in district, guys. That was great. Like, that's what it represents to me anyway that's kind of how i take yeah. it is like from a personal standpoint right say you're a person hypothetically and you win all these big championships and then you go and win this tiny little no-name championship <laughs> and you hang that medal up next to the other ones that would you do that personally i wouldn't well and i think we spoke i was talking to steph about it earlier too is just like to me i would say it's it's kind of where you are, right? So let's just say I make the Albuquerque Aces or whatever, and we're an NBA team. Okay, we're two years old, and we win the in-season tournament. Let's hang that. But when you have a storied success yes. and a storied tradition, like, do you think the Yankees are doing this? <laughs> like, are the Yankees putting up wild card banners? I hope they don't. But they might. <laughs> They, they might if they don't make the playoff or if they don't make the playoffs in the World Series. I mean, with all the money they pay for their guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but still, like, to yeah, me, no, like, you are the Yankees. I don't put up a wild card banner when we have however many championships. Like, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Kind of back to what Steph's saying. Like, what's your reasoning behind it? Why did you do it? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make any it. sense. I, I would. I, that, that's probably a question for somebody on the inside who is in those meetings and and everybody around the table. It's like every now and then you see like a marketing strategy by a major company, and you're going like, "What were they thinking?" And not just what were they thinking, but there were multiple people in the room who co-signed on that. Yeah, How yeah. That work? Like well, that, those always drive me crazy. They're always funny to me. Well, you're right. Like, okay, so and again, uh, you know, Jerry Bus who you know, used to own the Lakers and is kind of behind that. It's just like, was nobody in there to go, guys, like, we're the Lakers. Like, what are we doing? Why are we hanging (laughs) this up? Like, you know, there's got to be some sort of pride and tradition behind that. And 
you know, like we don't hang these things. And I've seen people say that, like we will not hang any, you know, and I think it used to happen in high school. It'd be like, well, can we hang that banner? And they're like, what? It's not a state championship banner. Why do you want it up? Like, <laughs> what's the deal here? Yeah. You won yeah. the, you won the Bernalillo invite. Really? Like, <laughs> come on. What's happening here? Think of the banners that we've hung up at Eight Grady's. It's all championships. It's all like big, big events. You know, yeah, notable events that you would want that banner up there. Not like what is even that? We have a wall of champions. Yeah, for sure for golf. But let's let's like I don't know. I, and maybe and it goes to the next question. Like, is it is it where we're at generationally? Like, I don't know about you, but when I played sports, like we used to have to watch the first place team get their trophy. We didn't get a trophy. When we finish second or third, they're like, hit the road, Jack. Yeah, you get the red T-shirt. <laughs> Let everyone know you guys are losers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is that where we're at, Steph? Is like, you know, everybody has to feel good, so we give out banners left and right and trophies? I have to think it's a, it's got to be a marketing strategy, you know, because I don't know that there are any players who are walking around with like their in-season championship ring. You know, like it's not, that's not going on. So it has to be a marketing strategy from somebody who is just out, completely out of touch and maybe a collection of those people. You know, you uh, you always hear of those executives who have no idea how to read the room, you know, because they're just so detached. They have no idea what's in vogue. They don't know what, you know, their, their fans are wearing, what their kids are, uh, you know, enjoy. Like they just are so used to having success or having money or, you know, some combination of both that they just lose touch. They don't know anything about what's going on on the ground floor. You know, that happens all the time. So that's probably got something to do with it. Or maybe we're, you know, conversely, maybe we're making a big deal out of something that's really not a big deal. Like the players, maybe on the inside are like, yeah, whatever. Like it's not, I don't really care personally. You know, it's like uh, Tua was doing an interview the other day about how, you know, um, people in the media are always bashing him about being the best quarterback or the worst quarterback, or he's only the best when Tyreek's in. And he just got up there and he was like, guys, I don't really care, like, at all. (laughs) It's not important to me, like, at all, not in the smallest sense. Like, I have my own way of evaluating my progress, my success. Do you guys write whatever you want? And maybe that's how the players feel about it, you know? It probably is something that's more of a footnote than what people are making a deal deal over. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point because, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, maybe they, the players are like, oh, my gosh, did they really do this? We don't care, whatever. Because there's got to be a certain measure of success to be really good, um, you know, that you can't train for the team you're playing for or whatever. There's the, you know, the the measure is the measure. So maybe that's not even their measure. Maybe like, yeah, it's just kind of where we're at and we don't care. Um, but, and I think I'm a, I'll agree with you. Now that you said that, you know, the marketing thing, maybe it is a marketing thing because, I mean, that's why the NBA probably did the, in-season tournament was for marketing. I mean, any publicity is good publicity. We're sitting here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, talking about something in LA. <laughs> so, I mean, it kind of worked. Yeah. Well, and then even, I don't know, I think in-season tournaments, and I'm always using like the college or the high school sports adage, can be useful as a measuring tool to say, okay, we're on, we're on the right track. You know what I mean? Just because you win, the Metro tournament here, or you win, you know, whatever, any rear rancher tournament or a big one that has some notoriety where there's some good players involved. You go, okay, we're on the path to success. Like we're doing, we're doing okay. And maybe that's what it is for some teams. You know, maybe they're not 
sitting there biting down on their, you know, (laughs) in-season tournament medal, going like, we're the best. It's more of like a measurement of like, okay, we won some games, we we played some good teams, we did it under pressure, like, that's not bad, we'll call it a day from there. Maybe they don't read any further into it. Well, and it's, I think that's also something, as you say that, it's hard to judge, right? It's going to be, at least for me, if I'm coaching a team, it's going to be very like what my team is. If we're, Mm -hmm. you know, returning quite a few kids... And, you know, I think that we're probably one of the best in town. I'm going to go to all the difficult tournaments. Put me in the Metro. Put me in this tournament. Let's go see where we're at. But if, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, vice versa, if my team is struggling and we're young, I want to mm-hmm. play in some tournaments where we have some major success because I just don't know what we're about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, that you, you get to find out a lot about your team when they're in that kind of high pressure. And maybe there is something to the fact that a, a, a tournament carries a different vibe than just an average game, too, right? Like yeah. There's something to be said for working through a bracket. And maybe that's good for the maybe that's good for the players and the team too. You know, I I would always like to when I was when I was wrestling, I always enjoy tournaments a whole lot more than I enjoy duels, just because it feels like it's a whole day event and you got to fight your way to the gauntlet. And there's a different element, of, uh, a, a different perspective that it gives you i guess you would say there's a, there's a different measurement going on because now i know that all right not only do i have the strength endurance ability to withstand one tough match now i got to do it again and really prove that i'm with my salt yeah no you're absolutely right and you know i i think of i guess for me kind of locally and that kind of stuff is you know if it, it's, I it's school <laughs> it's school dependent i would say as far as or i i could even say i guess you know team dependent right because if you're the lakers you're like we only hang championship banners if you're i don't even know who i mean i can't even say denver nuggets because they might have won i i'm so out of touch with some of that stuff but those things ebb and flow you know here i would say if you're hobbs hobbs basketball is only hanging banners like you're not putting up you know, district second place, you know, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes at schools when they're starting or they just don't have a lot of success, like you want to see stuff up on the wall, to be honest, like it's kind of nice to say, guys, look, we're making progress. There is, mm-hmm. there's been no paint on the wall since 1952 and we, yeah. we put some paint up. Let's go. Like yeah. <laughs> that's important sometimes hundred percent as a program it's, anyway it's like back to the personal standpoint when you're just starting out and everything you know you win your first little event that's a big deal yeah it's a huge deal mm-hmm. you know hang that up you want you want to see that but as you get better and, and you know you, you've already built that for yourself like i've won a ton of those why am i going to hang up another one like an in-season tournament like why am i going <coughs> to hang up another one of those yeah what's the point when i have in you know world cha- or the, the national championships your, your championships your retired players who were great and you're going to put an in-season tournament next to them <laughs> <laughs> i forgot about the retired guys but yeah and you know i yeah. caught i caught a lot of grief at del norte when i was coaching there because um i wanted to redo the um the trophy case but again we started winning some pretty big tournaments so i'm like why do we have the jowl you know invitational where we finished third in 1962 and why was this so you know i was like i'm throwing some of these out like we need to put the big dogs in here if we're gonna be like pretty good and i guess you eventually evolve to that right like that's what Mm -hmm. happens yeah well just out of curiosity in terms of golf like if you were to win a big tournament or a big open like you know, how do you feel about that? If yeah. it's not the if it's not the tournament, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, and you know, and golf is so 
fickle like oh my gosh dude like if you win you're doing jumping jacks and it's it's just way different i think too because the win percentage in golf i want to say it's like two and a half or three percent it's tiny where it's ridiculous like tiger i think tiger was winning at like a nine or ten percent clip and it's nobody is even close so that's a little different than like you know i mean if we had won nine percent at del norte i think i would have lasted about two years <laughs> it was a little rugged, but you know, we get, I guess, you know, it's sport dependent, right? Like if you're a wrestler and you spoke about wrestling, like wrestling, you want to win at a pretty good clip before you feel good yeah. about yourself. If you're winning, you know, 2% of your matches, that's not very good. That is true. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like me when I was a sophomore. I was like, man, we're, we're crushing. <laughs> At that point, it's like, can Stev get a point? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything better than zero. <laughs> so I guess it goes back to that, right? Like, it's kind of where you're at program-wise and uh, that sort of stuff. So, I mean, don't feel like we're taking shots at your program because you're hanging up, you know, third-place district banners or whatever. But eventually you get to a point where it's like, all right, got to start picking off some big dogs. We can't we can't be settling for this stuff. Um you know, so, um, Stev, thank you for joining us. We, you know, appreciate it and always appreciate your insight. Okay. You know, best of the city. Go see him. There he is. Stevan Lucero, it is. It is Stevan Lucero. Yes, sir. All right. So, thanks, Stev. We appreciate you joining us. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, man. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. That'll do it for today's show. Um I am Jerome Espinosa alongside, uh, you know, Robbie Purnell today, normally Don Trell. So we'll welcome Don Trell back. And, you know, we hope you have a Merry Christmas. Enjoy your time off. And we will see you again next Saturday from 10 to 11 on ESPN Radio 1017, The Team. Thank you for listening to the 8 Grady Sports Show on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team with Jerome Espinoza and Dontrell Moore. Come back every Saturday from 10 to 11 for all of the latest news and analysis from the world of golf, football, and much more.